All right, guys, strap in. It's going to be a long one. All right, so we're going to talk about the Cold War and American society. And this is going to be from around 1945 to uh, 1953. <clears throat> All right, so let's start with the roots of the Cold War. Now, there's going to be two points of view. You've got the U.S. point of view and the Soviet point of view. Now, under the U.S. point of view, we look at, you know, that Stalin was wanting to create a, a sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. You had the Yalta Conference and Stalin's pledges to allow democratic elections in Eastern Europe are going to be broken in places like Poland, Romania, and Bulgaria. And then later, Czechoslovakia and Hungary are going to be dominated by Moscow. And as you know, that was the capital of the USSR and still is the capital of Russia. The USSR is going to refuse to release East Germany, while the U.S., Britain, and France are going to give back their Western Germany zones to the newly democratic West Germany. The U.S. is going to want democracy to spread throughout the world with a strong United Nations to maintain global peace. The Soviet Union, on the other hand, is eventually going to support resistance to democracy throughout the world. The U.S. is going to try to gain uh, access to new markets and raw materials in order to fuel the newly booming economy. And Churchill is going to give his Iron Curtain speech in March of 1946 in Fulton, Missouri, that will warn Americans of Soviet expansion. And so at this point, uh, most Americans are going to realize that there's going to be a protracted conflict with the US, USSR. <clears throat> Now, on the flip side of this, you've got the Soviet point of view. The U.S. did not open a second front in Western Europe early enough during World War II, so millions of Soviet soldiers are going to die fighting the brunt of the German armies alone until mid-1944. So, there's, you know, they're, they're placing some blame there. Uh, the U.S. and Britain, Britain forces are going to freeze Russia out of the atomic bomb project. The U.S. is going to terminate the land lease to the USSR in 45 and then refuse a $6 billion plea from Stalin. But at the same time, they're going to grant Britain a $3.75 billion uh, land lease plea in 46. The Soviets wanted a security guarantee for the Soviet western border, especially Poland, because the USSR had twice been attacked by Germany in the 20th century. Eastern Europe now became a buffer zone for the USSR. The Soviets sought to rebuild their war-ravaged economy using Eastern Europe's industrial equipment and raw materials. Now, there's going to be war-torn areas that are going to be partitioned along ideological lines. So, you've got Korea and Vietnam that are going to split into northern and southern zones, and they're going to be controlled by communists in the north and pro-Western forces in the south. The two major wars would be fought by the U.S. during the Cold War, and those are the Korean War from 50 to 53 and the Vietnam War from 64 to 73. Germany is going to end up being split into four zones, with Berlin also being split into Caltron quadrants per the Yalta Conference. The issue of Berlin nearly resulted in a full-scale war in 48 and 49. Now, let's get into shaping the post-war world. So, you've got the Bretton Woods Conference, the United Nations, uh, the German question, the deconstruction of Japan. So, we're going to go into all of those. So, we'll start with the Bretton Woods Conference. This is going to be in 1944, and it's going to be attended by the Western Allies. The International Monetary Fund, or the IMF, is going to provide loans for countries struggling from economic depression. The World Bank was founded to promote economic growth in war-torn and underdeveloped areas, and this is going to serve to stabilize the currencies. The international currencies would be pegged to the U.S. dollar, and the Soviets are going to decline to participate, seeing these organizations as a means through which the U.S. is trying to dominate the post-World War. Post-War World. Sorry. 
So let's move on to the United Nations. So during the Yalta conference, you had the big three that had called for a conference on the World Organization to meet in April of 1945 in the United States. The UN Charter is going to create a general assembly composed of all member nations. And in reality, the assembly had the power to make recommendations, but like most things that we've talked about in you know United States history thus far, it's going to lack certain enforcement powers. The Security Council is going to be composed of five permanent members. These are going to be the U.S., the USSR, China, Britain, and France. And any single veto can overrule a proposal. Seven additional nations are going to be elected by the General Assembly for two-year terms. And it was responsible for settling disputes among U.N. member nations. The German question. So we have the Nuremberg Trials. The Potsdam Conference had decided on punishing war criminals and denazifying Germany. The Allies are going to try 22 top Nazis at Nuremberg, Germany during 45 and 46. Twelve of these Nazis will be hung, and seven were in, are going to be sentenced to long jail terms. Now, legal critics of the U.S. are going to condemn the trials as judicial lynchings because the defendants were tried for offenses that had not been clear-cut crimes when the war began. So it's kind of like uh, ex post facto laws. Uh, the partition of Germany. The Soviets are going to dominate their, er, their eastern German zone after World War II, and they sought to strip East German resources and ship them to Russia as compensation for war losses. They didn't want a revitalized Germany that could again be a military threat. The U.S. and Western Europe believed Germany's economy was vital to the recovery of Europe. And in 1949, there's going to be a democratic West Germany that's, that's created also called the Federal Republic of Germany. And uh, the U.S., France, and Britain are going to give back to Germany each of their occupation zones. East Germany is going to be created under Soviet domination and known as the German Democratic Republic. Now, the deconstruction of Japan. Despite Soviet protests, the U.S., which will be led by General Douglas MacArthur, is going to implement democracy in Japan, also known as the Allied Control Council. The U.S. is going to remain for seven years after the war. Japan is going to adopt a constitution in 46 that will renounce militarism and introduce a Western-style democracy. Japanese war criminals are going to be tried between 1946 and 40, 48, and seven are going to be hung. Eighteen will be sent to prison. Within a few decades, Japan will become an economic powerhouse as they are today. All right. Containment. In 1947, U.S. Ambassador to Russia George Kennan is going to warn Truman that the USSR sought to expand its empire. Soviet leaders had an ideology that the outside world was hostile and that it was their duty to eventually overthrow the political forces beyond their borders. So Soviet policy in Eastern Europe, Germany, and the Middle Eastern area was of great concern. Kennan's idea became the basis for Truman's containment policy. The Truman Doctrine. Now, it's going to define U.S. foreign policy for the next 20 years, and it must be the policy of the U.S. to support free people who are resisting attempted subjugation by armed minorities or by outside pressures. That's the, the gist of the Truman Doctrine. It's also going to initiate a policy of containment, so the prevention of the spread of communism worldwide. In March of 1947, Truman is going to ask Congress for $400 million to support democracy in Turkey and in Greece, since the British were no longer able to, and the result was very positive for democracy in both countries. Truman is quickly going to recognize Israel in 1948 as the new country that would be a bastion of democracy in the Middle East. The Marshall Plan of 47. 
France, Italy, and Germany were still suffering from economic chaos after World War II. The U.S. is going to fear communist parties could exploit these hardships and take control. Secretary of State George Marshall invited Europeans to create a joint plan for economic recovery. The U.S. would provide financial assistance. The Soviets walked out of the conference in Paris in July of 1947, claiming it was a U.S. ploy to dominate Europe. Czechoslovakia was initially interested in aid, but the pressure from the USSR is going to force them to uh, to veto it. Eastern Europe nations were prohibited from accepting aid from the U.S. or Western Europe. Congress at first is going to balk at the huge aid, huge aid package, but will change course after Soviet-sponsored coup d'etat in Czechoslovakia in February of 48 extended the influence of the communism in Eastern Europe. And it's going to allocate $12.5 billion over four years in 16 cooperating cooperating countries. Within a few years, most recipients of the plan's aid were exceeding pre-war output, and this was seen as an economic miracle, and communism is going to lose ground in Italy and France due to this. The U.S. government is going to reorganize, and they're going to rearm. The National Security Act of 1947 is going to create the Department of Defense, and it will replace the War Department. It was headed by a new cabinet post, which is the Secretary of Defense, and it was housed in the new massive Pentagon building in Alexandria, Virginia. The National Security Council, the NSC, and the, the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, are also going to be created by Truman in 48 and 49, and they're going to become the president's chief source on foreign affairs. The NSC, or the National Security Council, number 68 in 1950. This is going to be issued in response to the communist victory in China and the onset of hostilities in Korea. The U.S. would implement a rigorous worldwide defense of communism with an immediate and large-scale buildup of their military. In 1948, the first peacetime military draft was enacted. They also had the Voice of America, which was authorized by Congress, and it beamed U.S. broadcast behind the Iron Curtain promoting democracy. So the Iron Curtain area is the Eastern Europe area that was kind of dominated by the USSR at the moment, or at the time. The Atomic Energy Commission was created in '46, and this is going to establish civilian control over nuclear development and gave President sole authority over the use of atomic weapons in warfare. In 48 and 49, we got the Berlin Airlift. Now, Berlin, which is deep inside, or was deep inside East Europe, was cut off from the West by Soviet forces in 48. This was Stalin's response to the creation of West Germany. U.S., French, and British forces in Berlin became an island inside East Germany. The Soviets also shut off electric power, so two million West Berliners, in effect, became hostages. Berlin became a symbolic issue for both sides. The U.S. organized a massive airlift for nearly a year of 277,000 flights and 2 million tons. Many thought World War III was inevitable at this time. Stalin lifted the blockade in May of 49, and the crisis subsided. The Cold War during Truman's second term under Secretary of State Dean Ackeson, we got the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, it was, recreated, it was created in response to the Berlin crisis, and it was established in April of 49 by 12 nations, including the U.S., France, Britain, Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Denmark, Norway, Portugal, Iceland, and Canada. In 53, Turkey and Greece will join, join and then 54, West Germany will join.
This collective security organization essentially warned the USSR that a threat to any NATO member would be met with force. In 55, the USSR formed the Warsaw Pact as a response to NATO, which included all Eastern Bloc countries, so these satellite countries. Now, there's going to be other collective security organizations, like the Organization of American States, or the OAS in 48. And this is the collective security organization against communist expansion in Latin America. The ANZUS, A-N-Z-U-S, in 51. U.S. forged a collective security agreement with Australia and New Zealand to promote democracy in the Pacific. The CETO, S-E-A-T-O, this is the the Southeast Asian Treaty Organization, which was formed in 54 and included the Philippines, Pakistan, Thailand, New Zealand, Australia, France, and the U.S. CENTO in 55, C-E-N-T-O, and this is going to include several countries in the Middle East, including Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, Turkey, and the United Kingdom. All right. The Soviet Union will explode its first atomic bomb in 49. So this meant that we no longer had the uh, nuclear monopoly here in the United States, and the world now had two atomic powers. China became communist in 49, so you got the People's Republic of China. The U.S. supported nationalist leader uh, Zhang Jiexi, or Chiang uh, Kai-shek, during World War II. In late 49, Mao Zedong, or Mao Zedong, uh, the communist forces defeated the last of Zhang's forces, and the nationalists fled to Formosa, or Taiwan. Mao was supported by the Soviet Union. The loss of China was seen as a major defeat for U.S. containment. 25% of the world's population now became a communist. Truman was criticized for allowing China to fall to the communists, and he replied that China had never been his to lose. The U.S. refused to re uh, to actually recognize the People's Republic of China, or Red China, and maintain Zhao's regime on the UN Security uh, Council. The USSR boycotted the Security Council in protest, and the People's Republic of China was not recognized as a permanent Security Council member until 1973. The U.S. is going to explode its first H-bomb, in 52, the hydrogen bomb. Most scientists felt that the H-bomb had become an instrument of genocide, and it was because it was many times more powerful than the A-bomb, or the atomic bomb. In 53, the Soviets successfully exploded their own H-bomb, intensifying the nuclear arms race. And this is just going to continue and continue, just continue to build up. The world now had two superpowers, and it was the U.S. and the USSR. For the first time in history, humankind had the ability to end civilization. 50 to 53, we got the Korean War. Now, during World War II, Russian troops occupied North Korea while U.S. troops occupied South Korea. In 49, both set up rival regimes on each side of the 38th parallel. North Korea was led by communist dictator Kim Il-sung and was supported by the Soviet Union. Secretary of State Dean Axon claimed Korea was outside the essential U.S. defense perimeter in the Pacific and U.S. forces in Korea were reduced. In June of 1950, the Korean army was so Soviet-made tanks invaded South Korea and nearly took the entire country. Truman invoked NSC-68, a call to quadruple U.S. defense spending, and ordered a massive military buildup well beyond the purposes of the war. The U.S. soon had a three and a half million men had three and a half million men in uniform and was spending fifty billion per year on defense, or thirteen percent of the gross national. <laughs> 
The UN Security Council, with Russia absent, voted 9-0 to provide military aid to South Korea. The UN established a military force with Truman's choice, General Douglas MacArthur, as UN commander who took his orders directly from the U.S. U.S. forces comprised four-fifths of UN troops in Korea. By August of 1950, North Korea captured nearly all of South Korea. North Korea had superior military aid from the Soviet Union. MacArthur directed a surprise amphibious landing in Incheon behind Korean lines. Within two weeks, UN forces recaptured nearly all of South Korea as North Korea retreated behind the 38th parallel. Although the original objective was complete, MacArthur ordered UN forces to cross north of the 38th parallel with the support of, of Truman and the UN. North Korean forces were driven back near the Chinese border. The UN then called for the establishment of a unified and democratic Korea. In November, 300,000 Chinese soldiers crossed the, the Yalu River into North Korea. And this is going to force UN troops to retreat with heavy losses back across the 38th parallel. As you see, we go back and forth across the 38th parallel. Same to the U.S. that Korea might be completely lost at this time. Truman is going to then fire MacArthur. He's going to seek a, a limited war, and he, he will announce this in November of 50. The U.S. would seek specific objectives rather than a total victory. They would not use uh, nuclear weapons, and the original objective reemerged to restore the border between North and South Korea at the 39th parallel. An invasion of China meant Soviet retaliation in Europe or Asia, and Truman's decision for a limited war may have averted a third world war. MacArthur was against limited war. He basically said there was no substitute for victory, and he asked for nuclear weapons to be used on China and demanded strong military action against Chinese cities. He believed political decisions in Washington, D.C. hampered the conduct of war. MacArthur circumvented Truman and demanded a total North Korea surrender. He thus undercut Truman's attempt at negotiations and directly challenged the president's power. Truman fired MacArthur from his command. Now, the significance of this was civilian control of the U.S. military was reaffirmed and the president was the commander-in-chief, as is one of their jobs. All right. There will be a ceasefire, so negotiations will begin in July of 51 and continue for two years while the war continued. In 92... Presidential-elect Dwight D. Eisenhower will threaten to use nuclear weapons unless the deadlock peace negotiations were successful. A ceasefire was signed on July 27th of 53, and the armistice is still in effect today. The 38th parallel is considered a boundary, and it is still it has been restored as a boundary between North and South Korea. The DMZ, or the Demilitarized Zone, was established along the border. Americans were disappointed at the unclear conclusion of the war because World War II had been a clear-cut victory. You know who won. Now, the results of the Korean War. The total casualties were as high as 4 million. Around 54,000 U.S. soldiers and 3,000 U.N. soldiers were killed. 103 U.S. 103,000 U.N. soldiers wounded, including Americans, 2 million civilians killed, mostly in South Korea, and over 1.5 million dead Chinese and North Korean soldiers. So that's why we're looking at around, you know, 4 million-ish. The U.N. repelled North Korean attacks on South Korea, and the U.S. successfully in enforced its containment policy. All right, the Red Scare. Now, there's going to be American fears of communism and its sympathizers. So, communism at home, you have the fear of spies infiltrating the U.S. government, the spread of communism around the world. So, you've got Eastern Europe, China, and Korea. There's also that fear of nuclear war because, you know, the Soviet A-bomb and the H-bomb and the Sputnik. 
uh, fear of another depression because there was recessions in 46 and 47 and in the early 50s convinced some that a depression might trigger the growth of communism. There will be demagogue politics that will be used for fears like uh, McCarthyism. Uh, the American culture reflected those fears with movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Blob, and Them. This was a second. This was the second Red Scare of the 20th century because the first occurred right after World War One in 1919 and 1920 during Wilson's presidency. Uh, the Smith Act of 1940 had become illegal to advocate the overthrow of the government by force or to belong to an organization advocating such a position. Immigrants who belonged to such organizations could be deported, and the Truman administration used the law to jail leaders of the American Communist Party. Eleven communists were brought to trial in New York in '49 and sent to prison for advocating the overthrow of the U.S. government by force. The House Un-American Activities Committee, or the HUAC, and the indictment of Algier Hiss. Uh, HUAC, H-U-A-C, was created in 45 to root out communism in the U.S. The committee was sensationalist going after public figures in Hollywood. Liberals and members of the New Deal were targeted, and the Senate counterpart of HUAC was also active in anti-communist investigations. Richard Nixon, Nixon will lead the movement to indict Alger Hiss, which was a distinguished member of the Eastern Establishment, a prominent, prominent ex-New Dealer, and a current member of the U.S. State Department. Hiss denied being a communist supporter in the 1930s, but was convicted of perjury in 1950 and sentenced to five years in prison. Nixon gained national prominence, and he was elected vice president five years later. Then there was Truman's loyalty program. Truman countered HUAC with anti-communist programs of his own. The attorney general identified 90 disloyal organizations who were not given the right to prove their innocence. Truman gave the FBI approval and resources to go after suspected Reds. The Loyalty Review Board invested more than 3 million federal employees. Investigated, sorry. Uh, about 3,000 people resigned or were dismissed without a formal indictment. Loyalty oaths were increasingly demanded of employees, especially teachers. Many people believed their civil liberties were being suppressed. Government employees were forbidden to criticize U.S. foreign policy, advocate equal rights for women because apparently this was a communist idea, own books on socialism, or attend foreign films. Had no idea French films were so communist. She said sarcastically. McCarran entered or the McCarran Internal Security Bill of 1950. Now it's going to require communist front organizations to register with the Attorney General and prevented their members from defense work and travel abroad. Truman vetoed this bill, which authorized the president to arrest and detain suspicious persons during an internal security emergency. And many felt this bill was a step toward a police state. And Congress overrode Truman's veto. The Rosenbergs. So 1954, uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were convicted and executed for giving atomic bomb secrets to the Soviets. Both were avowed communists. Americans were horrified that an American couple had sold out their country. Blacklisting. Many, many uh, actors, writers, and directors had dabbled with the Communist Party in the 1930s when it was considered fashionable. Ten of these movie industry people, the Hollywood Ten, chose to go to prison rather than testify, testify before HUAC, cla uh, claiming protection by the Constitution. The industry responded by denying workers or work to 250 actors, writers, and directors. 
Then there was McCarthyism. Now, this is going to be Senator Joseph McCarthy. He was a Wisconsin Republican who became America's most notorious demagogue by playing on Americans' fear of communism. In February of 1950, he asserted that 200 unknown communists were in the State Department. He made sweeping accusations and employed guilt by association and used documents out of context, even doctoring photos and documents to do so. The public was convinced he was looking out for national security. He was unable to substantiate his claims, but ruined many government um, officials in the process. Almost no one was safe from his accusations. His supporters tended to be Republican and blue-collar. Now, there were other other accusations that went along with it. He claimed the Democratic Party was guilty of 20 years of treason. He wanted Truman impeached for being soft on communism, despite the Truman Doctrine, the Marshall Plan, NATO, the Berlin Airlift, and the Korean War. He claimed Secretary of State George Marshall was an instrument of the Soviet conspiracy. He hinted Eisenhower was soft on communism. And McCarthy slandered people and would sometimes publicly claim that they were gay as well as communist, even though they were not. McCarthy's Senate hearing hearings created an atmosphere of conformity and fear. Presidents Truman and Eisenhower despised McCarthy, but did not, or but did little, little to oppose him. The downfall of McCarthy occurred when he took on the army in 1954. He was. Ex- He was intensively examined by Joseph Welch, who was an Army attorney, who exposed some of McCarthy's unethical tactics. By December of 54, the Senate passed a resolution condemning McCarthy, 67 to 22. McCarthy died three years later from alcohol and exhaustion. The end of McCarthyism signaled a decline in the anti-communist hysteria, yet strong anti-communist fears persisted. Spudnik caused some hysteria in 57 because Americans feared the Soviets were now technologically superior. Some Americans built bomb shelters. Uh, Some Americans built bomb shelters in their backyards because they feared nuclear war with the Soviets. Schools continued duck and cover drills to prepare for nuclear attack. The John Birch Society, which was an ultra-conservative nationalist group, emerged in the late 1950s and continued its attacks on liberals for the next two decades. The aggressive rooting out of suspected communists still existed. Arthur Miller's The Crucible which was a popular play in the 50s, and it used the 1692 Salem witch trials as a metaphor for McCarthyism. The election of 48, Truman defeated Dewey in a stunning upset. Democrats were split into three camps. Truman supported, uh, sorry, Truman's supporters of the Fair Deal. Uh, It was a platform called for the extension of the New Deal programs and more civil rights for African Americans. The Dixiecrats, and these are states' rights party that was led by Strom Thurmond of uh, South Carolina that was opposed to Truman's civil rights initiatives. And this is going to foreshadow the exodus of the Democratic Party by Southern conservatives over the next five decades. The The new progressive party under liberal Henry Wallace, who believed Truman was not going far enough in supporting liberal causes. Thomas Dewey was nominated by the Republicans. Earl Warren was the vice presidential nominee. Their platform included anti-big labor plank and reduction of New Deal policies. Truman's victory came from support with support from farmers, workers, and African Americans who felt threatened by the Republicans. Democrats established a clear majority in both houses of Congress. Okay, the election of 52, Truman decided not to run for another term. The deadlock in Korean War hurt his popularity greatly. The 22nd Amendment, passed during his second term, did not apply to him because it limited the president to two terms or 10 years maximum. Uh, Adelaide, Adelaide, sorry, 
Adelaide Stevenson was nominated by the Democrats under a liberal platform, and General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a moderate, was nominated by the Republicans. Richard Nixon was selected as his vice presidential running mate. So Eisenhower is going to defeat Stevenson 442 to 89. He became the first Republican president since Herbert Hoover in the early 1930s. The vital center of 48 from 48 to 68. This is a political consensus that developed in America, although bitter political wrangling continued to characterize American politics. The term was coined in 48 by Harvard historian Arthur Schwenslinger Jr who would later serve in the Kennedy administration. The term did not mean the political center between conservatism and liberalism. Rather, it meant a democratic consensus against totalitarianism, especially communism. The three major components to the vital center were common in both major parties, anti-communism and containment, the belief that economic growth could solve all of society's problems, and the political Pluralism, so the belief that the variety of ideas could compete in America. So, like, the New Deal was accepted by both parties, although, although they did not expand significantly until 1938. The Vital Center elected Truman in 48, Eisenhower in 52 and 56, Kennedy in 60, and Lyndon Johnson in 64. Now, there's going to be flaws in the Vital Center. The Vietnam War will later expose problems with containment. As many as 25% of Americans lived in poverty, so the economic boom did not lift all boats. Uh, John F. Kennedy's statement was, rising tides lift all boats. And Jim Crow demonstrated a lack of true pluralism in America. The vital center was shattered in 68. The Vietnam pit hawks against doves and amplified a generation gap between the older generation and the baby boomers. White conservative backlash is going to happen against the against liberalism. So the great society programs of Johnson, the civil rights movement, and the apparent lack of law and order in the Vietnam War are going to contribute to Republican control of the White House for 20 of the next 24 years. So you're going to get these popular 1970s TV shows like All in the Family, who had Archie Bunker as a lovable bigot who exemplified the conservative backlash. The Affluent Society. So this is the American society in post-World War II era, so 45 to 70. You had the GI Bill of Rights, so the Serviceman's Readjustment Act in 44. It was a government response to unemployment fears from 15 million returning GIs uh, from World War II. So you had social unrest, like the race rise after World War I, and they're going to become a lesson to better provide for veterans after World War II. About 10.2 million veterans participated in the program by 1956. It sent about 7.8 million veterans to school. A major, uh, sorry, a majority attended technical and vocational schools. A number of students in universities and colleges will swell, and eventually about 14.5 billion it will be spent on the program. The Veterans Administration of the VA will guarantee about 16 billion in loans for veterans to buy homes, farms, and small businesses, and about 2.4 million participated in the VA programs. The GI Bill is going to contribute to economic prosperity that emerged in the late 1940s. Now, granted, this was not offered to everyone, and a lot of uh, a lot of the servicemen did have to. Um, reauthorize their benefits year after year because in some cases they would continue to go down.
All right, the baby boom, the 1950s population grew by over 28 million, 97% in urban and suburban areas. Now, between 46 and 61, 63 and a half million babies were born. Between 31 and 46, only 41 and a half million were born. Now, the proportion of growth in population was unprecedented in American history. The baby boomers became major targets of businesses who sought to cash in on their sheer numbers and relative affluence. So the economic boom from 50 to 70, that affluent society. The national income nearly doubled in the 1950s and almost doubled again in the 1960s. American enjoyed about 40% of the world's wealth despite accounting for only 6% of its population. By the mid-50s, 60% of Americans owned their own homes compared with only 40% in the 20s. A majority of post-war jobs went to women in urban offices and shops, and by the 1990s, women accounted for about half of total workers. A clash between demands of suburban dom domesticity and realities of employment sparked the feminist revolt in the 1960s. The U.S. economy was largely fueled by the growth of the defense industry. It accounted for over 50% of the national budget by 1960. Cheap energy and the increased supply of power fluctuated I'm oh, sorry, facilitated economic growth. Rising productivity, and this was due to increases in education and technology, increased the average American standard of living twofold. Consumerism is going to mushroom in America in a, as Americans had more disposable income. So you've got people buying gadgets for their homes, uh, cars, going on vacations, and they're going to eat out at restaurants. The middle class. By the 1950s, about 60% of Americans were categorized as middle class. That's going to be double the percentage of 1929. The middle class of the 50s era was classified as households that made between 3000 and 10000 per year. That's your middle class. The suburbs. Now, they're going to grow six times faster than cities in the 1950s. By 1960, 25% of all existing homes in America had been built during the 50s. Suburbs resulted from increased car production. White flight from urban areas due to black migration into northern and midwestern cities and government policies that ensured both builders and homeowners. Alright, so the cult of domesticity, which we've talked about a few times. It's going to reemerge. Some advocated that science supported the idea that women could find fulfillment as a homemaker. The concept of a woman's place being in the home was widespread in magazines, TV, and society in general. You're going to have popular 50s TV shows that are going to reinforce the cult of domesticity like Father Knows Best, Ozzy Inherited, and Leave It to Beaver. Dr. Benjamin Spock, Dr. Spock, he wrote the Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, and it sold on an average of a million copies per year between 46 and 60. It emphasized women's primary responsibility was to stay at home and nurture their children. Stated that parents should trust themselves as they attend to their children's physical and psychological needs. Okay. The Sun Belt versus the Frost Belt or the Rust Belt. The Sun Belt, this is a 15-state area that stretches from Virginia through Florida and Texas to Arizona and California and includes all former Confederate states. The advent of air conditioning spurred enormous growth. Population increase was twice that of the old industrial zones of the Northeast and California became the most populous state by 1963. War industries and high-tech industries attracted millions to the West Coast. The aerospace industry and huge military installations are going to attract millions to Texas and Florida. 
The traditional Midwest industri industrial workers are going to lose ground as many of their jobs would be shipped overseas. The Rust Belt, that Frost Belt, states of the Ohio Valley were angered at federal spending for southern and western states. Every president elected since 1964, with the exception of Barack Obama, has come from the Sun Belt. Sun Belt's representation in Congress was increased significantly. All right, culture, 1950s. We'll start off with television and movies. So, the TV, TV is going to emerge as the most popular entertainment medium in the 50s, and it will replace radio. Video killed the radio star. Chaz gets it. I hope y'all do. Anyway. Uh, TV is going to hit the consumer market in 47. 90% of American homes had at least one television by 1960. The number of hours the average American watched TV per day soared during the 50s and subsequent decades. TV programs tended to, to reflect the conformity of the decade. Movie box office receipts dropped as most Americans remained content to see TV programming. Some movie stars became icons to the younger generation. James Dean portrayed the angst of the American youth, and Marilyn Moe became the quintessential sex symbol. Rock and roll. This is a new style that was derived primarily from African-American blues. Before the mid-1950s, it was also known as race music and would not be played on mainstream radio stations. Elvis Presley is going to burst on the scene in 56, and he will bring rock and roll to the masses. And it became the music of the younger generation and emphasized the increasing generation gap between youth and their parents. When it came to art, you got abstract expressionism in the 50s. Art, uh, artists attempted spontaneous expression of their subje subjectivity, including splattered paint and color-filled uh, paintings. This is going to include those like Jackson Pollock and Mark Rothko. The Beat Movement, or the Beatniks, in the late 50s. This is going to consist of a group of alienated young men. The movement began in, Gr in Greenwich Village in New York. Beatniks rebelled against the conflict. Uh, the conformity and the conservatism of the middle-class Americans. And they're going to emphasize alcohol, drugs, sex, jazz, Buddhism, and a vagabond lifestyle. Jack Kerouac, On the Road, became the Bible for restless youth. It was largely an autobiographical work. Allen Ginsberg Howell in the 1956. This is a profane poem that echoed Kerouac's philosophy. A profanity trial against a bookseller who sold Ginsburg poetry resulted in a legal, legal victory as the judge stated the poem had redeeming social importance. An error of conformity. Now, middle class values and anti-communism. Conformity in America. So you had church membership that would increase in the post-war period. Americans were suspicious of those who did not attend church. They could possibly be atheist with communist sympathies. Social life often revolved Around married couples and families, those who were single or divorced were often on the outside. Strong patriotism existed in the face of the Red Scare. Critics were looked upon with suspicion. The culture of domesticity was an important component of conformity, and the movies, TV, and radio enforced middle-class values. Now, there's going to be critics of American society. David Reisman, R-I-E-S-M-A-N, The Lonely Crowd in 1950. Americans after World War II seemed to conform to peer pressure and social and moral issues, in contrast to earlier Americans who were interdirected. So the peer pressure is outer-directed, where your own motivations are interdirected, and the more individualistic and who had internalized self-discipline and morality. Americans in modern America seem less likely to take risks or act independently. 
Modern Americans' thinking and habits seem more likely to be influenced by mass media, and the result of such a society would be a lack of leadership, individual self-knowledge, and human potential. John Kenneth Galbraith, The Affluent Society in 58. He argued the U.S. economy was too fixated on achieving higher rates of production. He believed government should provide more money for education and health care through a higher sales tax. The book highlighted the paradox of, signi of significant amounts of abject poverty in the U.S. in light of its economic prosperity and dominance overall. C. Wright Mills, the power elite of 56, criticized the influence of the American political, military, and economic elite who seemed to share a common worldview. And then there were the three main resistance to conformity in the 1950s. So you had the beat generation or the beatniks. You had rock and roll, which obviously did not in line with a lot of, you know, the, the mass music, which a lot was very, um, like, church hymnally. And the Civil Rights Movement. Alright, so that is going to end this chapter. I will have your essay questions and your terms to know up shortly.